I think we have soul families. So we have soul families and we work with those same souls and soul people in the same soul families have the same uh, purpose, mission. They're here to, to learn and teach the same thing. So you'll get these souls together and soul families to do sort of certain soul work. Um, I think each soul will choose, you know, it'll be determined in their, based on their past lives what family or what people are going to provide them with the opportunity and the experiences to fulfill the life soul lessons. Welcome to the Money, Mindset, and Manifestation podcast. I'm your host, Marley Rose Ferris, and I'm here to talk to you about all things entrepreneurial, personal growth, and self-development with a little side of spiritual woo-woo. I have successfully turned my side hustle into a multiple six-figure business while traveling the world and living a life I've only dreamed of. I hope by listening to this show inspires you to do the same and start manifesting everything on your vision board. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome back to the Money Mindset Manifestation Podcast. This week we have a freaking guest of all guests. Margot, I'm like literally speechless. We filmed this episode today and I truly say this in the episode, but I was on the edge of my seat the entire episode. I could just listen to her speak all day. I feel like well, I know that she speaks this truth and the way that she articulates things truly captivates me. And I just want to ask her so many more questions. So there definitely will be a round two. And I'm just so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. So we actually literally jumped right in. And usually I would preface to be like, oh, like, can you explain like who you are, what you do? But we didn't get into that until like maybe halfway through the episode because literally it was everything she was saying was straight fire and I did not want to interrupt the flow. (laughs) So I just want to start off and kind of explain who Margot is, what she does, and she explains in greater detail. But I was actually introduced to Margot by one of my beautiful coaching clients, Jordana. Shout out Jordana. I'm so freaking grateful that you connected us. So I originally worked with Margot to help heal the you know trauma of losing my dad and I had no idea what to expect um Jordan just kind of recommended her to me and said it was something called SRT therapy and I was like you know what anything Jordan says I do so I was like okay great um let's just book in wasn't really sure what to expect I didn't even know what SRT therapy meant it means spiritual response therapy and I'm not a crier and I'm not saying this to deter you from like booking with her, but I literally bawled my eyes out (laughs) like the first like session with her, not in a sad way, just of like, honestly, like, wow, it truly floored me and was healing on a deeper level than I've truly ever experienced. I have been like recommending Margot to literally everyone and Everyone that I speak to has has a session with her is like, that was like anything I've ever experienced. So we get into the modality and how Marco is able to heal on such a deep level in this call. And I'm just so grateful to have her in my life. She's truly an angel. And she was so generous with all of her knowledge in this episode. It is just one of my favorite episodes and one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. 
So without further further ado, let's get right into the episode. Let me know what you guys think. And I know you guys are going to all love Margot as much as I do. I love that. So just another example of the importance of checking in for the guidance. And it's available to us when we ask and only when we ask. So that was a pretty awesome reminder. I'm going to have to get you to teach me how to check in with spirit. <laughs> mm, I will. Yeah, so it's really aligning with those high self-committees that can that can support us in uh, slowing down, asking, making a clear intention. Like I just, my intention was that we, you and I are both clear, so I made sure we had clarity between us and um, that we had nothing, you know, no ego, no nothing. We're both very neutral, which was lovely. A good confirmation also that working with people who aren't egoic and we both are there for the highest good, made sure that was the space was created and then set a clear intention that the right message comes through for the right people on your platform. I feel so honored that I get to work with, like get to interview you because you get to set these beautiful intentions for us. And I'm like, well, thank you for making it so easy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, same with you. It's very easy. And I think it's easy when spirit's involved. And you're, you're clearly listening to your guidance and my sense is that you're wanting to help other people do the same. And perhaps, you know, with your specialty in manifestation business, you're already doing it. But I think that's where my skill or some of my expertise comes in is I, I just cultivated for so long my connection. So I have the ability to put into words um, kind of what's happening. So I have an ability to help people understand what is this process of connecting with spirit and how do we do it? And what are, what are we creating when we do that? Yeah. And I, that's like what I really want to dive into today, you know, because like we always talk about, I feel like a lot of individuals I speak to aren't aware of it yet. And that's what I would love to shed some light on today because sometimes when I talk to people about about this, they're like, wait, what? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, like this is a thing. And um, so my intention today is to really, like I said, spread awareness and just more like educate and enlighten people on part of themselves. Yeah. Oh, so happy to be a part of that. And I just love how you said this is a thing. It is a thing. So (laughs) if we can, um, yeah, if we can help under help people understand what this thing is yeah this and this collaboration with spirit and the thing is is that there's so much more available to people with this support on board but the the other piece the other spiritual principle involved is that we have to ask so as spiritual beings having a human experience as humans uh spirit or all the highly conscious beings available to us that are supporting us they think we're perfection they think we're whole because they remember who we are and we've separated from that. So it's, um, we have to educate spirit as well about our current situation or ask for that which we need because they assume that we're perfect and fine. Yeah, when you told me that, I was like, what? <laughs> that blew my mind actually because I just would assume that if you're, you know, if you're going through something like suffering, you would assume that spirit would be aware of that. But I guess they're not, right? Right. Well, 
the suffering itself in human form is actually an illusion and as real as it feels when we're experiencing it or when we're in it within our humanness um, it's actually I would say that's you wanted to help enlighten people that's the whole process of enlightenment is transcending that suffering that's actually an illusion and we're really in the process of remembering in that if we can remember that the suffering is an illusion, we're actually one with spirit. And when we're one with spirit, everything is wholeness and perfection. And anything else outside of that is an illusion, uh, especially, especially in human form. We can come back to a certain level of faith and conviction and start to deepen our understanding that all is well and all is okay. So then from that place, we tend to surrender we tend to trust, and then as we trust more, we move into more clarity and more alignment. So you kind of get the cogs moving in the other direction with a connection to spirit or remembering or enlightenment. But when we're in that suffering, we have separated from source and we've forgotten who we are. And then it kind of propels in the, down the rabbit hole in the other direction. Right, it kind of goes into suffering and then we get separate and then we wake up every morning and look for all the evidence that we are separate and that we are in duality, not one. And we look for all the evidence that we've forgotten and that there's something wrong and there's more suffering. And then we, like you're doing in your program, is that we're manifesting and cultivating more discordant energy. And so the more we're separate from remembering, we start to have this resonance or vibrate in a, a discordant fashion. And until we reconnect or we release that, we'll just keep accumulating the discordant programming, like thought forms or the discordant energy, and end up further and further away from our truth or our true soul expression, our connection to others and one and remembering. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it so makes sense. And I'm I don't know if you can see me. I'm like on the edge of my seat right now. I'm like, wow. So okay, I mean, I wasn't as technically starting the podcast, but I'm like, this is this is starting. <laughs> um what do you mean that it's a dis delusion? Illusion. Good illusion. <laughs> differentiate. Um we're delusional, that's a little bit different. Um, well, maybe not. An illusion, okay, it's very hard concept to grasp. Basically, it means that it's an illusion. It is not truth. It's, it's, we're seeing something other than what really is. So let's think of an example. Um, there's something that you believe currently that's not working in your favor, for example. Um, let's look at weight management. A lot of people are seeking to release weight, for example. Um, and so if they're seeking to release weight, um, every time they look in the mirror, they're seeing the weight or excess or extra weight on their body and in physical form, there's lots of evidence to support that they are, you know, they have excess fat or weight on their body. But the truth is, is that in every present moment with each next step, they're sovereign and perfect beings. Um, and that love will reign over fear in all circumstances. So if the person stares at the excess weight, they're moving away from the remembrance of love and perfection and wholeness. And so then they will focus on the illusion of fear over love. And then they will 
see more fat and they'll be vibrating in fat <laughs> vibration and they'll attract more excess weight. So it's, it's illusion would be really anything other than love or pure, um, pure connection to source or pure remembering in terms of love. So the illusion would be anything that's other than that. Hmm. Okay, can I, can I propose you a, another example? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say something like really bad happens, right? Like someone loses someone close to them. How is that pain an illusion? Okay, so this is, so first and foremost, we have to differentiate between the spiritual person and the human person. So one of the key principles in all spiritual work is that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. So the person in their human experience who loses another soul, so another living human soul that's a living human person in human form, loses another of the same, that's going to be excruciatingly painful. It's not saying that the human experience is not 100% valid, we're not trying to spiritually bypass or step over that or be a Pollyanna and say, oh, come on, it's just great, it's fine, this is an illusion. Absolutely not. In our humanness, that stuff is so real, okay? But the opportunity that is available to us in every present moment as sovereign beings, so as people who do remember in our humanness that we're actually spiritual, okay? So we're kind of functioning in two levels. In the humanness, it's very real. But from a spiritual perspective, um, what we can do in the kind of work I do is we could work with somebody who's lost someone very close to them and help them understand the spiritual principles um, behind these kinds of experiences, these kinds of tragedies, traumas, suffering. Because within all of them, there are soul lessons, right? So And it sounds, and you know, we hate to ever sound cliche or the last thing somebody who's lost a loved one ever wants to hear is, well, it's in perfect order and, you know, there's a soul lesson for you. That wouldn't be appropriate in their humanness to hear that at that time. It would probably probably feel um, dismissed or invalidated. But someone who is open and seeking the spiritual support through those kinds of experiences is opening themselves to a greater truth. So the illusion is saying there's a greater truth available to you. It doesn't mean it's not real in human form, but actually as humans, these things present as horrible, but actually from a spiritual perspective, everything is in complete divine order. And perhaps just maybe, maybe, maybe perhaps there's an opportunity to us to see that within this horrible experience, there's something of even greater goodness for you. So that might be, for instance, um, everyone comes into each incarnation with a soul purpose, a a soul lesson. And perhaps somebody needs to learn that they're okay within themselves and that they're maybe relying, I don't know, maybe they're relying too much in external Um, people in their lives and so this is a really hard lesson for them to learn that they're still okay without that person and that there's a certain level of growth there's going to be a certain level of remembering like drastic remembering and 
and kind of uh, speed speed dial learning in, wow, if I'm going to transcend this awful experience of learning someone so dear to me, what could possibly be the lesson? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what was the purpose of this relationship? What did this person teach me? And with them gone, what am I learning in, in this situation? But again, the, the two things need to happen. On our human level, we have to process that kind of thing. We have to um, experience it and grieve it on the human level and go through very healthy, rational, real grief. So two things are kind of happening simultaneously. We're being called into the experience of these traumatic experiences and using the information or the feelings as information to transcend and grow and forever be evolving. But then there's this additional support available to us within these spiritual principles that can help us transcend um, even further, coming into a real deeper acceptance that there's more going on than meets the eye. And I would say that's a big piece of the spiritual practice. It's, it's called, you know, it's the practice of metaphysics. So metaphysics means any, everything beyond um, physical, metaphysical. So beyond physical, beyond what we can see right in front of us, because boy, it's pretty easy if we look every day for the evidence right in front of us that things aren't good, especially right now. Look at the pandemic. There's lots of opportunity. That's a perfect example of an illusion. Um, yes, the pandemic's real. It's real in our humanness. And there's a virus, but there's there's an opportunity to say, there's an opportunity to remember. And I think a lot of people are remembering and waking up to the pandemic to say, what do I remember? What do I know deeply within every cell of my body to be true right here, right now, despite what I see right in front of me? Because it'd be very easy to go into fear. So ultimately it's fear over love. And then we choose and pivot in every present moment, every next step back to these divine principles of sovereignty that that guide us into love, unconditional love. And then from love, we can move into faith. And then from faith, with the deeper conviction that all is well, and we're guided and it's all in divine order and we're safe and supported, we can begin to trust at a deeper level, uh, trust that we're okay and then trust ourselves. And we kind of move into this discernment and we're in our body instead of the external circumstances, again, the illusions that are triggering the fear. And if we're embodied in our own truth, aligned with spirit, we come into more clarity. And that's how we hear the messages from spirit. Right? Mm-hmm. We're so busy, we're outside of ourselves, we're attaching to these illusions, we can't hear the guidance, the clear guidance. It's crystal clear if we create the presence and the, the faith and the trust. It, it, it's not clear. It becomes clear, but it's a it's a practice to cultivate that that awareness, the ability to listen, and then as we move into this clarity, we we start to attract, like you're experiencing in your business with your clients. You start to see these beautiful alignments, and people move into alignment, and and then when those things happen, we can reinforce our spiritual conviction and faith. And then it goes. Again, further and further and further into love and deeper demonstration and celebration of, and I so love watching your Instagram posts and, and your excitement because you're clearly in touch with that. 
you're you're seeing it, you're living it, you're applying it, and then you're celebrating what what's coming to you. And it sounds like coming to you so easily, and and so you're clearly being guided by spirit to to share this information with people. And it's just so beautiful to watch. And um, yeah, you're that's the process. You're in the process of creation. So creation is is taking something from thought. And from spirit and bringing it into physical form. Okay, there's like a thousand things I want to dive into there. <laughs> oh, I could just hear you talk all day long. Um, I want to go way back, and you said something, which is we are humans have in a having a what's the saying? No, not the saying. What's the fact yeah, that we're human beings having a spiritual experience? I guess. Or, yeah. Yes. Can you explain that to me? Because when I first heard that, I, and I have to be honest with you, to this day, I still haven't fully wrapped my head around it. <laughs> okay, we're gonna, we'll, we'll peel it back for you. And I don't still fully understand it. So I just really want to, you're so kind in saying you love listening to me. And it's lovely to have the opportunity to share some of my perspectives, but I'm, we're all learning. I'm, I'm still evolving and it still continues to make sense to me in a new way every day. Um, but as far as I'm understanding in my reality at this point is we, we are born in, so we're souls, we're eternal souls and our souls are eternal and forever expanding into higher levels of consciousness and moving closer and closer to full soul expression. And we move from lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. And if these soul lessons are not, um, I guess, understood or learned, we accumulate the trauma or the discordance and the, the suffering, and we keep going lifetime after lifetime. So, but within every lifetime, we, so when we pass, we go back to spirit, say, and then when we're, we incarnate from spirit. So from the native nothingness of oneness that is spirit, we start as that soul expression or thought and we come into incarnation we the process of incarnation is this fall from grace fall from spirit and we we come through different energy bodies that are formed before physical and so from that level of spirit the very beginning that's it comes all the way through and all these energy bodies and our aura and every single thing that we were in past lives in spirit is coming through in each incarnation but we're coming down into human form as this, this spirit as this thought as this idea the soul essence so the soul essence is eternal it's been going on i heard something yesterday on a, a training said one percent of our soul is living in our body so one percent of our souls only living in our body that means 99 percent of our souls elsewhere at the same time and different you know like it, you can get pretty tripped out if you think about how vast it is out with with respect to what we don't know or what we don't experience day to day so basically the soul essence comes from spirit as an individualized expression of spirit of the one to come through to express and to raise consciousness to to contribute and to learn and to grow and so when that comes into human form it um, i guess you could think of it like um, you as a little girl 
And if you think of your parents, you know, you were at some level up there going, oh, here's my current consciousness from past lives. There's the perfect family for me to go down and get the soul lessons in this incarnation this way. So you designed it, stored in your Akashic records, everything that you know to be true and in your awareness at this point in terms of consciousness, and there's the perfect family for me. Because then you come down through all these 13 levels of um, 13 energy bodies. You, you know, we come in through the etheric body, the mental body, the emotional body, the spiritual body, all these great bodies that all have different layers, different minds before we come into physical incarnation. So your soul adheres to um, your, your um, in, womb, in the womb. And so to the, the fertilized egg, right? So your soul adheres there. And that is when you become formed. But the spirit was there long before you were in form, in this life form. So you carry all the program, all the discordant energy from past lives, from also just your experience in this incarnation, the fall from grace from spirit. So we're coming all the way down into form. And then our job as physical human beings is to transcend and transcend those illusions and remember and go all, all the way back through our lifetime, back up to soul and spirit remembering, to either <laughs> repeat, do it again, if we didn't learn the lesson, or hopefully, you know, we're at a higher level, soul level programming, and that we're moving on to higher levels of being. And I think, you know, again, I don't fully understand, but I think when we're committed to the personal growth and we have, learn the soul, the life lesson, and we feel complete, I think there comes a time when we can choose not to come back into the uniform to learn those lessons and perhaps exist in another form. Well, wow. understanding to date just from speaking to other spiritual mentors is that those who choose to come into the human form are very heroic. It's very, very well, we all experience it, the, the illusions of being human and the difficulties and the suffering is so profound on so many levels. So again, with this understanding, it's the hope that we can um, we can be open to our soul's lessons, we can release those soul programs, we can release the discordant energies, we can make room for soul remembering and deeper experience. Wow. That answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. I've actually never heard it explained in such detail. So that is like so, that is so fascinating to me. And I remember in one of our first calls, you explained to me that we do choose our parents. So would you say that we choose our parents to live out our soul's purpose? And do our parents also choose us? Or is it more of a one-way choosing? I think so much of it's predetermined and I think it's predetermined on numerous levels. So I think it's, I think we have soul families. So we have soul families and we work with those same souls and soul people in the same soul families have the same uh, purpose, mission. They're here to, to learn and teach the same thing. So you'll get these souls together and soul families to do sort of certain soul work. Um, I think each soul 
will choose. You know, it'll be determined in their, based on their past lives, what family or what people are going to provide them with the opportunity and the experiences to fulfill the life soul lessons, should they choose. And then I also think, and I don't know how they're all tied together, but I also think there's a huge piece down the bloodline. So the, the past lives goes down the timeline, but then there's also, we have these magnificent family trees full of ancestors. Like you've got ancestors up your mom's side, ancestors up your dad's side. And so if you think of the duplications of parents upon parents upon parents upon parents, these family trees are massive. And I think within those, there's also the opportunity to work with spirit to help heal the ancestors. And there's, I think there's certain loyalties as well that we, we develop. Um, I think we come in, and I don't know where that even joins in, but I think we come in with certain loyalties to specific ancestors. And that we, in a family tree or a family organization, if we sense disharmony or lack of order, through these loyalties, we're attempting to create some sort of order. So we can also go in with the spiritual work to clear these contracts or these loyalties we have to ancestors. And that seems to create a lot of clearing and release for people spiritually as well, a lot of healing. So, um, yeah, and spirit can help us with both of those. But I do find sometimes I'm called into working with spirit and the person's sort of soul journey and what they're specifically working on. And then we can also check to see, hey, is this like from the ancestors? Is there something happening down the bloodline? And so I don't fully understand, to be perfectly honest, how it all comes together. I still have so much to learn myself, but I, I do know that I'm guided sometimes by spirit to access or ask permission to open and clear the family tree so yes i would imagine that some of that's predetermined through patterns in the family um i'll share a, a brief ex, a story of my own but i had this my so my mom's mom was institutionalized my mom's mom only two generations ago got postpartum depression and um she was institutionalized so she, my mom was taken away from her at birth and I had and no one ever talked about her but I had such a calling and I was so connected to this woman I could hear her crying this woman I could hear her and it was like I had such a loyalty like I knew like I I was appalled that people forgot about her how could people not? and my mom was just like oh well that's who it that's we were told to forget about it. It didn't seem to bother my mom. Well, I was called by this ancestor. And I think I was only 19 or 20. But I was upset. Like, I had to find this woman. I had to. So I went to the, um, the mental institute where she was. My mom had never even gone. So the only thing I found, but I found this teeny little picture. And I found her health records. That's all they had left of her. Because the whole thing had closed down. But I was able to show my mom a picture of her mom and remember this woman. So there's a story sort of in our bloodline, you know, in the women's side, up my mother's side of oppression by men. She's put, you know, there's sort of this oppression trauma with men um, standing up, being heard, not forgotten. And I can feel it. Like if anyone 
doesn't take the time to ask me what I think or includes me or I feel forgotten. It's like such a deep wound. It's not even my, you know. So our ancestors are dictating so much of our journey as well. But that's a perfect example. But to go in, you can go into the family tree and clear that and clear those loyalties and, and exchange gifts and, and remembering of these, these particular ancestors that we're, we're, we're attached to. So sometimes if we can't figure out what's happening, you know, it can be these discordant patterns from past lives, or it can be some of these ancestral patterns as well. And so spirit can help us. And the, the process is, I think you've said to me before, like, oh, help me, you know, do that, is the process is just taking the time, creating a sacred space, learning how to connect, learning how to remember and be guided. And if we listen, we can... We can hear most of the time. But again, in our humanness, we do forget and we get confused or we get off track. So that also speaks to the importance of commun having communities like yours, having like-minded women. I love working with women like you. I, when I have clients like you that are so open-minded and willing and excited to learn, it's, it's so hopeful, hopeful community young women are wanting to wake up. Wow. The way you explain things, I just find so easy to understand, actually. Because, like, it's so... I Well, okay. I want to go so many places right now. But I also find it really interesting how a lot of the trauma that we feel isn't even ours most of the time. And how important it is to work with someone like you to clear that, you call it discordant energy, so that you're not feeling these emotions anymore and a lot of people who again might not be aware of this yet could be experiencing a lot of emotional trauma and just have no idea where it's coming from and thinking it's them but it's actually like generational i actually have a question that i find so interesting is that what is the what is there any correlation or connection between your subconscious mind and what you're talking about right now, because a lot of the things I learned in my like NLP training is is very similar and aligned to what you're saying right now. So is there a connection between your spirituality and your soul and your subconscious mind? Is it the same thing? 100%. So yeah, a lot of different things are happening. Yeah, so I just want to speak to the trauma. Trauma is a good place to explain that. So trauma let's say um trauma uh if you say there's something traumatic that happens so um and is it mine i think people often so this is a perfect example of everything being in divine order i often think that people who have called in trauma as a soul lesson they're actually they've made a contract they're actually very conscious highly sensitive beings wanting to teach um, healing and collective consciousness and so they call in trauma so that they can have the lesson and so if they stay fixated in the trauma and don't see the the purpose of the trauma they can stay in the trauma but so they're but the trauma itself well let's even go back further if they've incarnated in this lifetime with that soul lesson their akashic records so the akashic records are kind of different than the subconscious but it's so the akashic records is like your soul subconscious or your soul records that are pre-programmed before you come in to the incarnation 
So you've got this sort of soul's subconscious, which is the Akashic records and everything from your past lives and all the traumas you've experienced before are stored in that Akashic record. So when we're working with the spiritual work, we're connecting with highly conscious beings called your high self that have access to the Akashic records and your subconscious minds. Not only do you have one, you don't just have one subconscious mind, when you incarnate it from spirit, you incarnated, for example, first incarnation is into the etheric body. And it has, I'm just trying to remember, it has, the etheric body has a subconscious mind. The astral body is the next body, it has a conscious mind. So all these different energy bodies through our incarnation create our aura and they have subconscious minds and conscious minds. So you've got the Akashic records in your soul pre-programming and then you've got all these different layers and levels of subconscious mind. And then in your physical body, when you're incarnated, you've got your physical body, you have a conscious and subconscious mind. But your conscious and subconscious mind in your physical reality is only like a teeny fraction. So when you're doing your work, for instance, with NLP, and they talk about going into the subconscious mind in the physical body, yes, you're we're reprogramming that. But that subconscious mind is a result of your Akashic records from your soul programming, from your fall from grace, from spirit, from all your past lives, coming all the way down through those 13 original bodies before your physical bodies, which also have subconscious minds. So all of that information is stored in your subconscious human mind. So happening wow. on so many layers and so many levels. So your question was, how do I know it's mine? Um, I think if you're experiencing it, all of it is yours to a degree um, because you've either believed it or bought into it, which originally could be other people's. But the bottom line is if you're feeling it, you're holding it or you're attached to it at some level. So we do want to, well, we, we do want to find out whose it is or where it came from. Most important thing is we can find out is this um, feeling or experience or this discordant energy, is it in my present life? Is it in the past life? Is it am I holding this discordant energy perhaps on someone who did harm me, on a parent or a sibling or where is it coming from? And we can find and ask spirit, help us research, help us understand what's, what, whose this is, what percentage of this is from what. And, and what discordant energies are present? What's the root? It's very helpful to go back to the past life, the root cause, like where it actually first happened. Because if you go all the way back there and clear that, sometimes spirit will say, oh, um, yeah, we need to research that specific past life, the root cause of it. And what's happening is in this current lifetime, you reach some sort of level of consciousness or awareness that these Past lives don't even come into our consciousness or awareness until we're ready to release them. So that's a perfect example of feeling like, oh, I kind of feel way more charged than what's actually happening. You know, that crazy feeling like, oh, God, like, why am I? I did it on Mother's Day. Oh, my God. I just like got so triggered and reacted. And I knew like I couldn't stop myself. It was like. I felt obsessed and it was like stuff was coming out. I'm like, okay, this is really charged. It's not, you know, this is either past life or something. And so I did the research and it was actually ancestral. Like it was family tree stuff and had to clear 
family tree. So we can find out what the root of these things are and, and then clear the discordant energy that we're holding either on those people or with the ancestors. Perhaps we just have to clear the loyalty that we're, we're repeating something on their behalf to create harmony in the family tree. Or it's discordant programs or discordant energies or, or spirit level programs, things that have gotten laid down at spirit, sometimes just the actual incarnation process, like, um, you know, it, and what the work I do is not religious in any means, but there's so many beautiful references in the Bible, or like when they talk about the fall from grace, it's, this is all um, speaking to the fall from spirit into human form, but um, that can be a traumatic uh, experience for people, but they don't have it in their consciousness, they don't remember what it is but if the, that something starts to happen in their conscious world that triggers that same feeling that lack of control or feeling like they're following sometimes that's what it is wow okay so i'm gonna ask you a question that like totally goes back because I feel like we just jumped into things and it's been so juicy and I did not want to cut you off. So we're going to work a little bit backwards how I usually would in any sort of podcast. But Martha, like, how did you get into spirituality? Like, I know your story, but I would love for the audience to hear in more detail. Like, how did you get into this? Or what called you to get into this? And what was your journey of being called to this beautiful, wisdomous, <laughs> amazing body um, today? There's different, um, they're called clairs, like different clairs, like clairvoyant or claircognizant or clairsentient. I've always been very claircognizant. Claircognizant, yeah, like clear knowing. So ever since I was really, really little, it's like, it's just as deep as knowing. And I guess at some level, I was encouraged to listen. It was almost a dichotomy. At some level, I was encouraged to really listen and trust myself, that intuition. So I had a deep, deep knowing. But then in contrast to that, I was also called a know-it-all, sort of judged for it, because I'd know things I wasn't supposed to know. Um, and then I also experienced quite um, profound childhood trauma which shut me down even further. So it was kind of like I had this deep knowing and remembering and then trauma on top of it. So my sole lesson was to remember, which I think is everyone. I think if everybody digs deep, they know they have this deep sense of being part of something. And I just, it was so strong for me as a kid. And so it was just like, it was like a longing, a wanting to go home. It was like, feeling lost and wanting to go home. That's what it felt like all the time. And um, I just kept listening and following and listening and following. And so my recovery from trauma, um, I think the first strongest call was a call to nursing. Like, hello, I'm a healer. So, you know, I, I, we were, I remember being on a trip, a boat trip, and this, these two young guys came in and they, they were seasick and it was really stormy and I just knew I had to help them. And I, I, I think I was 10 or 12 making them, asking my mom if I could go over and make them soup. And like they just knew they needed to realign with something safe. And that's probably part of the trauma as well. It's just this, 
I think when we experience trauma, we are so separated from self from source, and, you know, to a point of dissociation. And so we're, we're taken so far away from our sense of safety and knowing that um, there's almost that gift we have to, it's like, you know, the saying you fall to your knees, you, you call to your knees. It's not an option. Like you have to count on spirit to survive. And so it's that, that communion with spirit or that safety provided to me in that deep knowing it's just a navigation system and so that led me to nursing and then in nursing I think forever I'm always shown uh, the control the oppression the patriarchy the the things that keep us separate and so forever guided oh nursing fear you know bureaucracy medical health system um, working in psychiatry, DSM-4 criteria, labeling people with diagnoses, and just the deepest knowing that that's not okay, that's not right. Um, I don't know why I know that, but it's not okay to come in and open your DSM, you know, your uh, diagnostic book as a psychiatrist and put a big stamp on somebody's chart that says, you know, you've got a personality disorder and you um, have depression or um obsessive compulsive disease and this is your diagnosis and here are your pills and then they take the pill and then they're reinforcing their belief in separation or the illusion so it's sort of these constant opportunities to see the duality versus the oneness and I was so and I was born into a medical family no surprise like evidence-based medical model this is so I had a lot of health abuse through medicine um but at the same time, it really made me feel safe and secure with the control. Um, so a whole journey that way through um, really trusting my knowing against all this veneer of evidence-based science. This is the truth. This is the way you do it. So just forever listen to the call. It said, I don't know. I don't know. It's this little voice always said, I don't know. And then uh, I went in to be, um, worked as a therapist for years after nursing, went did postgraduate training in cognitive therapy, and that was sort of helping people with their thinking. And it was like, yeah, this is great. We turned the thinking around, but I just knew it's not enough. It's like still, it's sure it's a Band-Aid and we can start there. It's wonderful work, but there's more. And so then I went in and did a degree in metaphysics and that's where things started to really make sense so for me it was like coming home I knew it was it's so hard to explain people think um half the time I felt crazy um, but I just listen um it's like listening to the call especially growing up in a family that was very much sort of seen as out there or alternative and but again, as you stick to your convictions and your discernment that what you're feeling is true to yourself, you find the right people, you find the right avenues. And um, the more and more I, I trusted it, the more and more I found the people and the communities and the modalities. And so then within um, sort of the metaphysical world, worked with numerous modalities. Oh, and I should share one of the, one of the greatest things that's probably gotten to me to the deepest embodiment of my spiritual practice is um through meditation i started seeing horses like right in my third eye horses horses i'm like what the hell is going on 
I've never been a horse person. I'd see the white fences, the horses, and they were calling me like, oh my God, horses calling me. I'm like, well, I can hear these horses. And then about a week later, I saw a picture of a friend who had um, a picture of her with this massive horse behind her. And she was doing this spiritual work with horses. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I want it. I mean, I, I need what she's got going on with that horse. And to the, she's my business partner now. And so I phoned her. I said, what are you doing? And I took the horse guided healing practitionership. And the horses, if, you know, if you get the opportunity, the chance to work with animals, you know, to connect with spirit. Well, the horses are prey animals and they reflect uh, so much beauty and so much truth and so much authenticity and they bring us into our body. So I think I came into my body and my full embodiment with working with the horses like never before. And the deepest healing um, and deepest connection with spirit. So then the horses just guided me from there. And so I do the spiritual healing with horses and the horses are amazing to integrate. Um, you know, the messages from spirit, but bring us into our deepest knowing, our discernment. I think as women, we're indoctrinated to think and work in our head. So anything we can do to deepen that embodiment in our, in coming back into our bodies, I think that probably saved my life and just allowed me to step deeper into the conviction. And so in the spiritual world, um, different modalities have come to me and the most powerful modality that I've ever worked with is the spiritual response therapy. And it's, it's just a profoundly accurate, direct communication with spirit that, that has taught me sort of how to research what we're looking for. It's just gives so much feedback, kind of like the horses. I think we all in our humanness, I think we can get stuck in this looping when we can't understand or we don't know. So I think that's the main thing is the horses or the SRT has given me a biofeedback system to say, oh my God, I'm not crazy for having these thoughts or these feelings. It's like, it's just been, it's so validating to know that spirit's always been there. Spirit, we are spirit. That list, that little voice, that calling, that that remembering that sense of I know I know there's hope I know there's worth I know there's truth I know there's alignment I know it and we all know it we just need help remembering and, and tools to to get that feedback like I just know repeatedly in my sessions when people are like oh my god like the first time I feel like I can fully see but it's spirit seeing you um, it's, it's that experience of remembering that you weren't crazy. Well, um, SRT therapy, I remember it, it's, yeah, it's, it's changed my life, like 1000%. And can you just explain to the audience kind of a little bit more about how it works? Like when people are going to be hearing what you're saying and being like, well, how do I book with Marco? <laughs> Um, and could you just like, describe a little bit more about how the session works and what people can expect from it? Sure. Spiritual Response Therapy was founded by Robert Detzler. Um, and I think he had a similar experience working in the churches where he was doing these healings and uh, people were skeptical because it was in a religious context. And so I think he started to have such vast uh 
uh, such great outcomes with his healing. And um, so there was definitely a journey there again with sort of that dichotomy or oppression, you know, oppression or rules. And he trusted that and he designed um, this modality, this, the explanation of what's happening with the soul journey really and reincarnation and, and these programs. And he developed all these charts. So I work with, um, there's a stack of charts that he's developed, which were all channeled by spirit in terms of, uh, also hard to explain, but what are the programs running for this soul? You know, how, so they guide the practitioner with um, guidance in terms of what is the program? How do we find it? And I work with a pendulum, the spiritual response therapy works with a pendulum, which is like an idiometer, which means it provides the feedback. So if we work with the charts, and we take a lot of time to prep and align with spirit and the high self committee, these highly conscious beings that are available, to, like I said earlier, that provide us uh, access to our subconscious Natasha records. Basically, spirit has all the information if we collect, connect and prep properly with this help available to us. And we ask, like we talked about the importance of asking, and we have the charts available for feedback. And the pendulum provides the musculature, like I, it deepens my discernment. I'm trained in listening and I'm connected to spirit as well. So in the vibrations, we can feel yes or no or where to go. And so we get this constant biofeedback through the, um, the pendulum and the charts. And we ask and we ask and we ask and we ask and we keep asking until we get clarity and we'll get a yes and it's like oh there it is and and then we can release and we ask myself um and spirit for support and clearing so a lot of the process is about clearing any of these programs discordant energies or um but more importantly we download and ask spirit for um clearing any blocks to the positive expression of these blocks so you know we might find discordant energies of um let's say malice or hate or low self-esteem. And we want to clear those. That's one thing, but we'll move into um, asking spirit, what is it that this person is longing for? So we can clear any blocks to the positive expression, for example, high self-esteem or um, kindness. Because some people in their subconscious, no matter how hard they try, they can't receive these things from people. So, you know, also downloading more supportive, and much like you're doing, and I'm sure spirit's very much involved with what you're doing, but it's it's the act of aligning with spirit intentionally, formally, in sacred space, in harmony. My job is to create that sacred space and also no, non-judgment, neutral. We spend a lot of time in prep bringing the practitioner and the client into neutrality because there's a lot of things that can be running just to prevent direct healing in the session, right? So if we begin healing without clearing the, the blocks to direct healing, you know, very often people have self-punishment programs running. So we want to clear those or they have responsibility programs or conflict. They might have a, a, a program running that they can't have what they want. Well, they want a healing, but they believe they can't have what they want. They're not going to have a good healing. So we have to 
we do it at many stages. We start with prep to work and make sure we clear all blocks to direct healing. We clear any interferences, things like um, discarnates. Those are souls that have passed over, but they're staying in the human realm where they don't belong and they can really interfere with people. Um, separates, any entities, energies that are interfering, we clear those right off the top. Um, and we close any openings or cracks through which they originate. We set up protection for clients. Um, the work is very geared in SRT to keep people safe. That's a big part of why I love it. And I feel confident telling people about it. I needed that confidence. SRT has a huge body of it's very much a professional body. It's in 45 countries and they're very um, thorough and strict. Like they, you have to follow certain protocols. You have to um, work within the way that um, they have deemed safe to work with spirit. Because if you're going into these altered states of sort of awareness, um, I think there's room, for, if you're not protecting people or keeping people safe, there's room for weird energies too. So we don't want any of that kind of stuff happening. So I find it's very helpful in managing that sort of spiritual hygiene and energy levels and uh, keeping things in the sovereign arena, like all things good, all things safe, all things, it feels very sort of contained and safe and good. Um, it's boundaried work. It's, um, it's very direct and accurate. And the outcomes we're getting with people as practitioners are unbelievable. The um, yeah, the healings are, well, they vary. They vary from miracles to, again, this, the, one of the spiritual principles is that the soul knows whether or not it wants the lessons or if it's ready, ready to get the lessons. So, you know, I can have somebody in a session who is really ready and wants the lesson. And they're like, that was a miracle. You know, it switched one session. And there's other people who there's more work to be done because their soul wants to do the work and they need to do the work. So. I don't know if that, I feel like I'm kind of rambling there, but. Oh, no, that was beautiful because I try to explain to people who I've explained, who I feel like would also benefit from an SRT section. And I'm like, I just don't know how to put it into words. <laughs> so I'm really grateful that you were able to put it into words of like what happens, what goes on. Because I know everyone who listens to this episode is going to be like, I need to book a session. Um, I have a question for you. And again, I don't know if this is much of a question, but it's been something that's on my mind the whole time we've been talking. And maybe this is like way beyond, but something that really puzzles me is how something like this, which is so obvious to me, like when you explain it and when you're describing, you know, the soul's purpose, we all have Akashic records, all these things, every soul has this, everyone walking on this planet is experiencing this however why is it that it's so hush hush or woo woo or all these labels that people put on this type of work and it's almost like kind of pushed to the side you know and if people would just wake up to it i feel like life would be a lot easier <laughs> do, do, you know what i'm trying to say like why yeah. I, I hear you a hundred percent and um yeah you're speaking my story and it can be a very lonely journey um when you are awake and you're aware of these things and other people are not and it feels like crazy making and um 
kudos to you for doing a live you know, podcast and speaking to your own vulnerability and your, um, your own challenge with that. I think it's so interesting that you say, well, it's so obvious to you. And I think that's kind of like, you're probably very clear cognizant, you know, you have a deep knowing and you're aware and awake to it. Um, which is such a beautiful gift and it's so beautiful that you're doing the work you're doing and you need to keep doing the work you're doing to create the collective consciousness and help people wake up. I would say maybe 99% of people are still asleep and, you know, a very small percentage of people are awake and all the more reason with what's going on in the world that we need people to speak up and start talking about it. So that even if there's one person on this call, Marley, that has that niggly, so see, I knew it, I'm right. No, I have a deep knowing. I don't even know how to make sense of it, but I have a deep knowing. So I'm going to take one step forward because of your podcast. You know, that's how it happens. One, like I have one client at a time, all day, every day, and it's like each person's like, "Oh my God, I remember. Oh my God, I can feel that." Or I've got goosebumps all over my body. Or, "Oh my God, now I know what I can do. I know it's available to me." So it's obvious to you because you're awake it's not obvious to everybody but and I also think in answer to your question um I think I developed a lot of compassion when I started to understand the whole piece around past lives because so often when I'm working with clients and I go back into past lives there's a lot of us who've experienced a lot of oppression and control trauma torture from express from channeling from healing from doing some of this work and so i think there's some traumatic memory on board for many people that has said i'm not even ever going there again i'm turning that off um, there's a, a deep remembering of the the torture or the suffering involved with with being mystical um so and also actually another thing that comes to mind is I think when we fall from grace, because we originate as spirit, pure mysticism, right? Pure remembering, joy, love, all things unconditional, you know, kumbaya, all the good stuff. And um, I think when we fall, many of us are born into very discordant, negative world energies with adults who have been living a full life of trauma. So the contrast, you know, I know, I hope you don't mind my saying that I'm not going to go into any detail, but you, like many clients, when they first realized that, oh my God, I was sort of this mystical, angelic form that came into this human world of discordance, that remembering is enough to turn people off mysticism forever. They're like, I don't want to remember that. I was painful. I'd just rather go with the status quo, stay numb, keep doing what works, buy into these illusions, stay in fear. It's way easier. So it takes a lot of courage, a lot of discipline, a lot of patience, a lot of, um, I guess, clarity, deep knowing that going against the status quo <laughs> So there's just a lot of support out there that says, hey, it's a lot easier just to maintain the status quo. So, um, yeah, kudos again to you for your willingness, your bravery, your conviction. You have a deep conviction that it is obvious, but it's not for everybody.
everybody, unfortunately, but we're getting there. I think it's really changing. I think I'm a lot older than you. And I think in my experience in the last 20 years, and especially with COVID, I think the gift of this pandemic is forcing everybody to sit with themselves and contemplate and be with and dive into this discernment of who am I really? What do I want? Because I have nothing else to, <laughs> to do. Is therefore we're all forced to look at what is our truth? What's our so I think the sovereignty of all of us and the goodness and that true mysticism is coming through. We see it everywhere. I mean, even just on my my Instagram feed, like there's there's lots of people that are speaking to this waking up or this deep knowing that hey, I I have the ability to move into fear and I'm choosing people that are keeping me true to that higher level of consciousness. Or you know, you, you, there's a lot of talk about people not wanting to be around people with certain energies, you know. So they're doing it, but they don't know fully what they're doing, but it's happening. People are waking up. It's your constant, like, oh, I'm done with that energy, or I'm not gonna, you know, be around people like that. So they're they're waking up to their own discernment their own truth and and then they're they're separating from those people that don't serve that and so it's happening organically but it's just really helpful that there's platforms to help people understand what's happening up with the spiritual awakening process i think we're all being called to um to create i think we're moving towards a collective consciousness that's really really high and really really promising despite everything that's happening Okay, yeah. And that's just, thank you for sharing that. That is so spot on. And it's so interesting to me how it seems like in every facet of life, it is just so much easier for us to choose the status quo, right? And I think about that when I talk about, you know, career or love or whatever it is, it's so, it is easy to settle and, you know, just head down. But by doing that, I think you're blocking yourself from all the potential magic that there is. Um, so I find that really fascinating. I kind um, of think of it like um, rock climbing. Like, you know, when you're rock climbing and you've got your hand on one of the, I don't know what they're called, the knobby things, and then you're reaching for the next one and you got to let go of that first one. Oh my gosh, this is so <laughs> This is so weird. I just got told this analogy the other day, but... <laughs> This but the way they described it was like monkey bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah same, same thing. Yeah. And you're in that suspended, oh god, I hate this, I don't know what place. And that's why you need a community, and that's why it's so awesome that you're doing what you're doing, or a coach or someone to mentor you or say, you know what, keep going or hang in there. That that discomfort is what will show you and then the feeling you have or information and then you bring in spirit and you get guidance and you can keep going but don't don't cave and that that's the heart's the tension um i think somebody was saying the other day to me too it was around relationships a similar thing is um i think people are quick to avoid this tension you know like say in a relationship where you want one thing and your partner wants another thing and it's it's the people who can withstand a marriage long term are the people who can withstand that tension of two people wanting the same thing. I mean, different things. And and it's like, oh God, how do we? I mean, that tension is awful. I mean, I just hear repeatedly women giving in or not 
standing up for that deep conviction of no this is what i want this is what spirit's telling me my higher self is saying i want this but they can't because they can't handle the tension in their lives so same thing with life is that it's that tension and i don't know where i guess that's the human condition is that the fear and that's when the fear gets involved in the illusions and then it compounds down that rabbit hole so you know your business and what you're doing is you're holding people and creating that space and helping them choose differently and um and i think it's awesome that you incorporate spirit because spirit i'd say one of the other pieces that's really cool about spirit if we ask is we can ask for help and we can release all this discordant energy and everything and be aware of it but there's lots that spirit can do in terms of atoning for any of the mistakes we've made we can ask for help to be forgiven to be made new in every present moment with each next step, like completely do it for us too. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't have to be hard. But again, that's the soul's journey and the soul's choice and being ready for those miracles. But they're available if we ask. Okay, this is perfect segue to my next thing. Is that I just find it very fascinating that a lot of people go to the gym every day. And, you know, they meditate every day and they eat healthy. But again, a lot of people aren't integrating a spiritual practice. And I think a lot of that is just from not yet knowing the importance. So something that I want to talk, touch on is like, what is the importance of a spirituality practice? And then what are some tangible tips that maybe the listeners have listened to this episode and are like, wow, okay. I, I feel like I am remembering this makes complete sense to me. What are some tangible tips and takeaways the listeners can do to start tapping in and integrating a spiritual practice into their day? Okay. Um, well, be it exercise or nutritional programs or anything like you said, um, I guess you're speaking to creating change, right? You're speaking to creating change in our lives. So in the spiritual world, there's, they're called octaves of learning, which is, um, I guess, willingness to change. And there's different levels. So um, we, the first level though is awareness. So if we don't have a full awareness of what it is we want to change, say it's eat better. Um, and we don't have full awareness of the root cause or why we have blocked. So kind of making reference to all those things we spoke about, whether it's subconscious or conscious reference, past life, ancestors who had some, there's just so many other things that could be going on that are out of our control or out of our awareness. So number one is awareness. So people can have a block in just their awareness. The next step is desire. So they want to have to want to have the desire to make the change, which most people do when they're dedicated, they start setting goals, they have the desire, but many people don't have the awareness. And then also faith. People can have very deep seated beliefs or lack of faith that they can actually do it. So they're going through the motions, they're doing it, they're working. That's why diets so often they'll go do it, but they don't have a deep faith or belief that they can change. Then they have to have a willingness to change. They have to set the goals and then they're working on the goals. So once that's sort of completed, that process of change, then they can rest again. But what I find very often is there's a lack of awareness. 
uh, sometimes a lack of willingness to change. They, they go through the motions to show everybody, but they really don't want to. So spirit can show us what's, why aren't you willing? That's where we can do the research from. Or, oh, where did the, the break in faith come from? What happened? Where? Um, and then the awareness. Sometimes, like, we'll do a session. It's like, oh, I didn't real, I didn't even have the awareness of where this started or why. So when we have all those layers in place, we can create change. So spiritual practice can increase the awareness. It can increase the desire, the faith, the willingness to change and help you cycle. It can help you on all levels of change, for sure. Um, but I think, too, is just um, the awareness that there's so much more going on. So that's why I would encourage anyone to start any form of spiritual practice. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It's just that willingness. <laughs> um, one thing people can do is create an altar space. Like everything's intentional. So spirit will hear you if you ask. And having an intention is enough, you know. So remembering that you're always connected. You're one with spirit. Um, looking for the evidence every single day that you are connected, you're guided, you're supported. Um, looking for the evidence that you can deepen your conviction in the faith that everything is in divine order or um, everything is good or well. And not from a Pollyanna, you know, working over place, but just the reminder that it's there. That doesn't mean not feeling, you're not going to feel good all the time if you're a spiritual person, that's for sure. Um, I would say prayer, meditation, creating a sacred space, allowing somebody else to hold sacred space for you so that you can be seen in the eyes of spirit, asking for help. Um, and then um, kind of like the higher mastery um, activation process of, you know, I think choosing love over fear in every present moment with each next step coming into the present moment and finding love wherever you can find it even if you're afraid um pivoting into that and just being at least being open to it um and then with more love again you're gonna have more faith and with faith you'll have trust and with trust you'll move into clarity and alignment forgiveness and and then um looking for the demonstrations in your spiritual practice as you start to cultivate all these things then looking for the newfound evidence that it's turn of it's working it's it's like you said at the very beginning this is a thing get excited about it it's like it's a thing it's there i'm seeking the demonstrations i'm actively pivoting in every present moment and i'm looking and i see it and then it's going to compound and before you know it, you're not going to be scared all the time. You know, and um, and from there you'll move into uh, newfound innocence, sort of a reclaiming of your true self, and then into grace. You know, feeling that reverence. You know, those people that walk into the room and you know they're connected to spirit. It's like they get a, you know, you can use all the makeup or anything you want. I used to actually work as a nurse in. Um, cosmetic nurse in injectables so uh, love love injectables love beauty love what it can do for us but man that woman who walks into the room who's connected to spirit and she's radiating from the inside out that's grace wow. okay that was so beautiful thank you
Oh my god, I just checked the time, it's one hour, 11 minutes. Of course. <laughs> ah, one, one, one. Um, okay, Morgan, thank you so much for all of your wisdom today. I was just, again, on the edge of my seat the whole time, and I just know so many people listening are going to benefit from this, and I also know that a lot of people that are going to want to work with you. So what is the best way for people, we'll keep, we'll put everything in the show notes, but what is the best way for people to get in touch with you, how to work with you, learn more about you, follow along? Um, people can find me. Well, I'm a bit old school. I love an email. I do love an email, a direct email. So my email is Marco Dallinghouse, just my name at gmail.com. I would say that's the most direct. I'm here all the time again at my computer and, and working with people one-on-one. Um, or on Instagram at WholeBeautyMD dot, at WholeBeautyMD. On Facebook, WholeBeautyMD. Um, my website, um, actually, my website's a great place because you can see a little bit more about the SRT and my um, my background. So um, the website is www.WholeBeautyMD.com. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And we will link that, obviously, on the show notes. Is there anything else that you'd like to just leave the audience with? Any last words, guidance, wisdom that you're channeling? <laughs> mm. uh, what do people need to do? Just remember, remember the truth, remember your sovereignty. Allow yourself to be guided, supported by um, all that is good. You are whole, you're perfection, um, your innocence, you're all. all all things good and if you're stuck um in any present moment with any next step there's help available to you that's easy so reach out um have a clearing you know move it move it shake it clear it um (laughs) it doesn't need to be difficult okay well i think that i think that lesson was actually for me (laughs) i'm we're going to talk about we're having a session after this so i'm going to ask you about that (laughs) Um, well, thank you so much. I definitely, you are welcome back anytime. I would love to have a part two because there's so many questions that I still want to ask. Um, but I want to be thankful for your time. So thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so, already so excited for this episode to air. Oh, and, I just love you, Marley. Thank you for for having me. appreciate it. Yes, no, I love, so much love for you. And yes, everyone who's following, who, you know, if you're listening and this resonated, please reach out to Margo. She has change my life and she will change yours so thank you so much Margo thank you so much for everyone who's listening and we'll chat with you next week bye guys